Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionists and dietitians from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We explain the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned for practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through real food nutrition. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I am Leah Kleinschrode, and I'm a registered and licensed dietitian. Today, we're going to discuss what it means to cook the weight and wellness way. So I know often in our show, we talk about eating the weight and wellness way. But today, we're going to shift that focus a little bit, look a little further upstream in that process to cooking the weight and wellness way and how we go about cooking real food. Many of our listeners over the last couple of weeks and couple of months have called or emailed us questions about how to cook certain recipes. So we actually had one of our dietitians, Teresa Wagner, she's a registered and licensed dietitian, and she's a parent of three young kids herself. She offered up some really great ways to engage kids in this cooking and food preparation process. So her blog is called Oh, my kids want to eat all the time, plus four snacks to make together for quote unquote math class. So I, I love that title. But um, so she really goes into some really great um, tips and tricks and ideas on how to set some routines, some schedules, get some boundaries in there for kids when they need that structure that they don't have from going to school every day right now and how to set up some of those some of that structure at home and as parents, how we can make our job easier now that we are homeschool coordinators and parents who are wearing many different hats at this point. So even though I'm not quite as seasoned of a mom as Teresa, I actually found this blog post really helpful. And anyone, some of our listeners out there have probably talked with Teresa, um, had her as their nutritionist, and you can really sense her personality and her sense of humor coming through in this blog. So I thought she did a really great job with the writing in this particular article. So thank you, Teresa, for that. And you can find Teresa's article and any of the articles, the blog articles that we write um, at our website, weightandwellness.com. All right. So when we say cooking and eating the weight and wellness way, what does that really mean? You've heard us say eating the weight and wellness way for many, many years now. And very simply, when we say eat the weight and wellness way, we mean that this is an anti-inflammatory eating plan that is based on real food. So I want to put a pin in that term anti-inflammatory. We will be circling back to that. And for your overall health and well-being, we recommend eating real food. And that's a term you all as listeners have now heard many, many times, real food. And you may have also heard terms like, whole foods, unprocessed foods, foods that your grandparents ate, or foods that are plucked from the farmer's field, as Melanie is infamous for saying. But when we talk about eating real food, this is protein from grass-fed animals, vegetables that you could grow in the garden or that you could buy from the farmer, and natural beneficial fats. And we will really elaborate on those good fats later on in the show. It may surprise you to learn that most grains, lentils, some bean products are actually inflammatory foods for many people. 
So we suggest limiting the amount of these foods to no more than a half a cup per serving. I have some clients who are really sensitive to those foods and we do have to remove them completely sometimes. But a lot of the times, even just that half cup serving is enough to help people bump their blood sugar up, get a little bit of energy and still feel good. Now we have listeners that are here with us all over the world. So we hope to offer each one of you a pearl of wisdom that will have you saying, oh, I didn't know that in the kitchen or the next time you're doing some meal prepping. So I'm happy to share the mic this morning for the first time with Marianne Jurish. But before Marianne introduces herself, uh, Marianne, I'm going to ask you about garlic because you had, I attended one of your um, kind of previews in the cooking classes that you did and you had some really interesting things to say about uh, garlic, and I think even most of us in the room were really surprised by the information you shared. So I'm going to hand it over to you. Great. Thanks, Leah. So I am a big garlic lover. I like to put it in a lot of my recipes. And so um, when I make my garlic, the trick to getting all of the heart-healthy or cancer-fighting benefits out of that garlic is to allow it to sit for 10 or 15 minutes after you chop it or you crush it or mince it. And it actually releases an enzyme, which allows it to be uh, more nutritious for us. So once you let it rest, then you can go ahead, throw it into a pan and let it do its magic. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting because I have always just chopped the garlic and then boom, right into the pan with the onions and everything like that. So I think like, I know I really took that pearl away from you that the time I heard you say that. So. Yeah, yeah. We just have to be a little patient. Mm-hmm. And um, so then we throw it on in and, and let it do its thing. So my name is Marianne Gerage. I am a farm-to-table chef and culinary nutrition educator with a company called The Cook's Cure. And I work with Nutritional Weight and Wellness to create some really fun cooking classes um, and we develop some recipes and teach clients how to put their meal plans into practice into the kitchen. Yes. And isn't that kind of that's the the key thing is like you have all this knowledge about foods, what they do for you. But then how do you translate that into actually getting it onto your plate? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Marianne, you mentioned the cooking classes that you offered and, and we were able to get those in just before all the stay at home order stuff went into place. I know that it was a big request from a, a lot of our clients for many years to get some sort of education or just some sort of class around that. And as soon as we opened it up for the masses to be able to enroll, those classes filled up immediately. So we knew there was a, a demand and an interest for that. And according to the reviews, everyone really loved these classes for one reason or another. And some people enjoyed learning the new recipes. Others said that they love the time-saving tips. And I promise for those of you local here to the Twin Cities that we will be offering these classes again as soon as we're all able to um, safely get back into meeting as a large group. Um, But Marianne, you know, I wasn't able to attend those classes, but do you remember anything in particular or one or two little things that really people seem to lock into or it really seemed to hit home for people that they were able to take away. Absolutely. You know what? We all had a lot of fun. They were great classes. They were full. And um, and you know what was great is we had beginners and people that love to cook all in the same room. Mm-hmm. And we learned from each other and we asked each other questions. It was fantastic. And the other little nugget that was fun 
was um, exposing people to vegetables that they might not try normally. We t- we tend to get into these these ruts and and in our routine of eating the same vegetables, mm-hmm. and so introducing something a little unusual was really fun, and everybody was really curious, and I so enjoyed that. It was um, it was a ton of fun. So. So um, I hope that we get back uh, very soon to, so that we can do those classes again. Yeah. And so, you know, now that restaurants are closed indefinitely and people are staying at home, almost everybody is dusting off their slow cookers and their instant pots. And they're pulling out that collection of cookbooks and they're getting back into the kitchen, which is a fantastic thing for me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the thing that I love. So I'm thrilled that people are doing that. And so today, Leah and I want to share some recipes and cooking tips and some reasons why cooking the weight and wellness way is changing lives here and all around the world. Yes. Yeah. I've been hearing that from clients to Mariana that it's, you know, we're we're kind of forced in, into necessity at this point to actually have to dust off those aprons and get some of that cooking equipment out and and dust off those skills a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And right now, we want to just touch on a few reasons why cooking the weight and wellness way or cooking and eating that real food at home is so much better for you and your family's health. So, I mean, as a as a dietitian, I understand like some of the technical and the logical reasons to avoid cooking with those unhealthy, refined fats and oils. And on Dishing Up Nutrition, we have said so many times that it is best to avoid the refined factory fats and oils in those foods and to actually eat for your health. So Marianne, why don't you just at least mention what some of those um, refined oils are? You are so right, uh, Leah. So some of those really unhealthy refined oils that some people might find are soybean, vegetable, canola, corn, and cottonseed oil. And at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we recommend avoiding these refined fats and replacing them with real, natural, beneficial fats, such as butter, olive oil, coconut oil, avocado oil, and even bacon grease or lard. Mm, yum. Yeah, the kind <laughs> that our great-grandparents used to use. They used to have a little coffee uh, a coffee um, can underneath the sink mm-hmm. and save their grease. Yeah. Definitely. So go to your cupboard. And read the label on each oil. And if you are still cooking with these refined damaging fats, maybe now is the time to walk over to the garbage can, toss out each bottle one by one, and say to yourself, I am done using damaged factory-made fats and oils. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Well, Marianne, let's put a pin in that for a second. We have to go to break. So you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And today we're sharing a number of reasons why many people are cooking the weight and wellness way. And we're going to be providing some tips uh, to help you make the most of your time in the kitchen. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I've worked in many restaurants and I've worked every station in those restaurants. Mm -hmm. And one of the tricks that I learned was to always have lots of onions, celery and carrots chopped because they are often the foundation of so many recipes. And I like to add them to a lot of the recipes I'm preparing. And I always have homemade bone broth to use in soups or anywhere a recipe calls for water. That's my little trick to add a little nutrients. And I usually add bone broth to add more protein and to make it more nutritious. And we'll talk more about that later when we uh, get into a recipe. But we have a recipe 
um, on our website, weightandwellness.com. Yeah, perfect. Bone broth. I, I love that tip for, I'm guessing if you're cooking, if you are cooking grains or if you're, like you said, any kind of soup that calls for a broth or you just need that little something extra, that homemade bone broth can be really great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, wonderful. Um, so Marianne, before we went to break, you were mentioning and listing off some of those more refined damaging oils that we need to watch out for. So that was soybean oil, canola oil, cottonseed oil, corn corn oil. Those are a couple of, of the oils to watch out for. And so, you know, some of our clients still use those as, as cooking oils. So we encourage getting away from those. We'll talk about the better substitutes here in just a minute. I would also encourage um, our listeners here this morning, if you're at home, um, that to go in your cupboards and also look at what are the oils, look at the ingredients list for your salad dressings, for your mayonnaise, for any baked goods that you might have, or the crackers that are sitting in your pantry, because these are where some of these oils sneak in as well. Sometimes it's not only the oils that we are cooking with, it's the things where these, um, these products where these oils are hiding also. And so if you're wondering, I mean, uh, why do we as dietitians and nutritionists, why are we so opposed to using these types of refined factory fats and oils? But let's just take a look at soybean oil specifically. And so soybean oil is the most widely consumed oil in the United States. So let's let's just pick on soybean oil for a moment. In January of 2020, so this is very recent. New research from the University of California, Riverside, found that soybean oil can cause neurological problems such as autism, Alzheimer's disease, anxiety, and depression. And they had done some previous research back in 2015, so a couple years earlier, and they reported that soybean oil was linked to obesity, diabetes, insulin resistance, and even fatty liver disease in mice. So now we have this oil that is really affecting our bodies metabolically, but also neurologically or like thinking about our brain. And so we would say what is not good for mice is also not good for man. And the research team at the University of California, Riverside, so the same team of researchers discovered that about 100 different genes can be negatively affected by soybean oil. So soybean oil really does wreak havoc on our bodies. Yeah, it really does. Oh, my gosh. And I will say that I've spent a lot of time in these restaurant kitchens, and you will find that most of them are using soybean oil for cooking mm. and for frying. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, that deep fryer in most of those restaurants are filled with soybean oil, and that oil is kept at 380 degrees all day long. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so that is not good. And it may actually surprise you to know that as recently as 19, up to 1990, many of the original fast food restaurants used beef tallow in their fryers, mm -hmm. which was actually a much healthier and safer oil to fry all those fries and the onion rings and the chicken nuggets. Yeah, actually funny, Marianne, one of the first classes that I ever taught for nutritional weight and wellness, it was our six-week weight and wellness series, and there was a gentleman in that class who used to, I believe is in the 1950s or 1960s, he used to work in in more kind of like the, the drive-in type of setting. And he said they used to use beef tallow to cook their fries in. And so that was, he was like, we had it right back then. Yeah, it's amazing, yeah. isn't it? 
Yeah. And we know, but we know that eating these fast foods has been linked to obesity and diabetes. But now foods are fried in soybean oil are also linked to very serious neurological disorders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you as you, you all listeners have just heard soybean oil, it's, it's not good for your body. It's not good for your brain. But you still may want to have like getting that French fry fix every now and again. So Marianne, why don't you walk us through, take a couple minutes to walk us through how we might do this at home so that we can get that little bit of fix without the damaging results to our brains or our bodies. Oh yeah, of course. And we all, we all feel like we need that that (laughs) fix every once in a while. So first of all, I always start with organic potatoes and that, um, Non-organic potatoes are on the dirty dozen list of vegetables to avoid when they're grown conventionally. So always mm-hmm. try and and get your your potatoes organic. And I use the smaller sized red potatoes. Sometimes they're called new potatoes, mm-hmm. and those are best because they contain less starch and less sugar. In fact, a large russet or a baking potato contains 52 grams of carbs, which breaks down to 13 teaspoons of sugar. That's a hit. Yes, it's a huge hit. And uh, in fact, most fast food companies commission potato farmers to grow the biggest potatoes possible. So they naturally have more starch than a small potato. So take your red potatoes, and we're going to slice them nice and thin, probably no thicker than a quarter inch. And then we'll toss them in a bowl with a tablespoon of avocado oil, and you sprinkle them with a little salt and pepper. And if you wanted, you could add some dried herbs to that. And then spread them onto a parchment-lined baking sheet and roast them at 425 degrees for 18 to 20 minutes, depending on your oven. And they come out nice and crispy, and they are going to satisfy that French fry fix. Yes, because that's what we're looking for, right? Usually it's like that little bit of salt, that little bit of crispiness, crunchiness. But you can do this without having to use the soybean oil or some of those more refined oils. You mentioned avocado oil being one of those good, healthy oils. And so we'll mention, we'll, we'll circle back to that in just a second. And I like what you said about using the smaller potatoes. They don't they won't have as big of a blood sugar impact because um, they are less starchy. And if you think about it, it's it's like a little built in portion control there. When you use smaller potatoes, you can kind of decide how much or how many you want to use at a time. Right. You can count out how many people you have and how much everybody gets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to your point about the dirty dozen, so that's the environmental working groups list. And they so those are the the produce items that tend to have the most pesticides, insecticides, residues on them. So those would be the the produce items that most people would want to choose organic. Now, potatoes specifically have as many as 35 different pesticide residues, um, and these are on conventionally grown potatoes. So um, for those of you who are at home a lot more right now, maybe this is the year that you decide I'm going to plant my own potatoes in my very own garden and I know what's going into that soil and I can control it. And so then we can get some good pesticide-free potatoes. Um, If you buy them from the grocery store, again, see if you can find organic um, and see if you can find those smaller, more the the little red potatoes, like you said, Marianne. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. So so let's talk about some, some oil that is best to cook. Yep. Actually, I'm sorry, Marianne, I'm going to have to cut you off. We do have to go to break really quick. 
but you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And because COVID-19 is now escorting us back into the kitchen, we want to share more recipes and reasons to cook real food. And Marianne will get to those good oils that we want to cook with at high heat. Um, so stay tuned and we will be back with some great recipes and some more cooking. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Leah and I each want to share one way that we use coconut milk that you may not have already known. I have to say we love coconut milk at our house and we use it in our coffee and our smoothies because actually both my husband and my daughter are sensitive to dairy, just like many of our clients at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. So what about those yummy, creamy soups? Well, I'm happy to say that you can make any broth-type soup into a creamy one simply by adding a can of organic coconut milk. Mm-hmm. And Marianne, just to clarify for our listeners, when we talk about coconut milk, we're talking about the stuff in the can, right? Not the stuff in the carton. Exactly. Yep. Um, And to your point, I do the exact same thing. I've made a creamy chicken wild rice soup many times just by using that canned coconut milk. And you don't even, that little bit of coconut flavor doesn't even come through once you add in the garlic, the onions, and kind of get some of those savory flavors in there. Yeah, it blends right in. It's nice. It does. Uh, Because I am dairy sensitive, I am also a huge fan of canned coconut milk in my house. And um, what I've done is I've used the solid part of the coconut milk. So usually when you open up the can, it's separated out a bit so that there's some water at the bottom and then that coconut fat is sitting on the top. And I've taken that coconut fat and whipped it up just like you would make um, like heavy whipping cream and whipping it up and making it like a whipped topping. I use it, I might use it on blueberries. My son digs blueberries big time, so I'll dollop some on that for him. Or strawberries, you know, it's it's coming to be berry season here pretty quick too. Yeah, exactly. And you know what, um, a nice trick with the cans and how they separate, if you uh, blend it up and uh, keep it in your fridge, it'll actually stay emulsified. It'll stay together. Yes. And then you can just have it for your coffee and to put in Mm -hmm. recipes. So we just keep it in our fridge uh, in one of those blender containers all the time. Yeah, same. Yep, I do the same thing. Yeah, it's nice. So, so, So instead of adding that can of creamed soup to that casserole, try and add a can of coconut milk. The casserole tastes delicious, and you're going to avoid all those chemicals and the flour and the damaged fats that are in that cream Mm -hmm. soup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great substitution. Just that can of coconut milk for any of the cream soups. Exactly. So so getting back to uh, the oil, the high heat oil, let's talk about that for a little bit. Because now that we've had our French fry fix, um, I used avocado oil. So, so what are the best high heat oils to cook with? Um, and this is like when you're stir frying or you've got your oven up uh, above 400 degrees. So depending on the flavor profile, I recommend coconut, ghee, which is clarified butter, or avocado oil. And they have the highest smoke point, which is when they start to smoke. Mm -hmm. And you don't want that. It starts to uh, damage that fat. So, um, But avocado oil has a really nice neutral flavor. I use it a lot in Asian cooking. So Mm -hmm. olive oil is a wonderful and a healthy oil, and we love it, but it is very delicate, and it breaks down really easily. So it really shouldn't be used to cook at high heat. You can cook, uh, you can braise something at a lower heat mm-hmm. in olive oil, but we really like to save uh, our olive oil for our salad dressings or for drizzling over those steamed vegetables. It's fantastic. In fact, in the restaurant, we would call olive oil a 
finishing oil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just the, the olive oil, especially keeping that at lower temperatures, if you are cooking with it or use it just like you said, uh, on raw, like salads and keeping it raw. So that's exactly. great. Yep. Perfect. So I want to give our listeners just a little more information about what it means to eat and cook the weight and wellness way. So just thinking about reasons why our listeners may want to make some of these transitions, start making some of these substitutions and start getting in the kitchen a little bit more. Um, the weight and wellness eating plan or the way we talk about real food. I mentioned before, I use the term anti-inflammatory meal plan. And I said I wanted to put a pin in that and come back to it. So here it is. So anti-inflammatory. This means that if you experience things like knee pain or headaches and migraines or memory problems, or if you have an autoimmune type of condition like lupus, thyroid disease, um, Hashimoto's is probably the most common one we see there. Or if you struggle with arthritis somewhere in your body, or if you struggle with heart disease or cancer, any of these types of conditions are really driven by a lot of inflammation in the body. So then it makes sense to eat an anti-inflammatory eating plan. And food is wonderful because food affects us systemically. And what that means is the foods that we eat affects our entire body. So if you have one of these conditions, a lot of our clients have multiple types of inflammatory conditions. The nice thing about food is you can use food to cut through all of these conditions because when you generally lower inf inflammation, you're going to improve your pain. You're going to improve your brain function. You're going to improve your heart function. You're going to improve your digestion. All of these things get better and you just need one tool and that is real food. So this is just another reason why cooking the weight and wellness way is just so much better for you. Yes, absolutely. And I just, you know, whatever reason we can get people into the kitchen, I love it. So, mm -hmm. so as you step into your kitchen and you start to prepare your lunch, you want to find a recipe that will provide you with three to four ounces of meat or fish um, and at least one cup of a low starch vegetable. And these vegetables are like peppers, asparagus, which is coming into season, mm -hmm. uh, broccoli, cauliflower, zucchini, uh, those dry, uh, uh, dark green leafy vegetables like spinach and kale and summer squash. In fact, many of our clients like to have at least two to three cups of low starch, high uh, fiber vegetables with every single meal. So um, to add, uh, to satisfy their hunger, they like to add a half a cup of a starchy vegetable, or as we like to call them, a concentrated carb, such as a sweet potato, carrots, parsnips, maybe beets, rutabagas are good. And in fact, I like to keep a container of roasted vegetables in my fridge mm. all the time. Just for easy meal prep, you can throw them into soups or throw them into a salad. You've just always got um, a really easy, uh, easy vegetable option. And so the trick to making this meal really satisfying is to cook that meat and those vegetables in about a tablespoon of natural beneficial fat, like that coconut oil or olive or avocado oil, or some grass-fed butter. Because when you eat real whole foods in balance, you are naturally eliminating those inflammatory foods and you're going to feel better. And this helps to balance your blood sugar. 
So also be sure to keep in mind that grains such as pasta or bread are considered inflammatory foods. You might eat that pasta and your knees start to ache Mm -hmm. and now you're going to make that connection. Mm -hmm. So it is a perfect uh, meal plan, eating plan for those people who are experiencing prediabetes, diabetes, or even weight issues. Yeah. So you you mentioned weight there, Marianne, and just, just thinking about that, I've heard this term come up a couple of times in the media now. They talk about the quarantine 15. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so think about, you know, we've been in this in this stay-at-home order, most of us, for the last six to eight weeks or so. Um, and back in my back in my day, uh, it was it was called the freshman 15. When you went off to college, you kind of had free reign for the first time uh, and you started you could make choices on your own, which might have not always been the best choices. But now they're talking about the quarantine 15. Yeah, I think the freshman 15 was a little more fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but because of these troubling times, so many people are really stressed And they have to stay at home for weeks on end. And some people are getting laid off from their jobs. So to help them cope with their stress, many people are eating more junk foods that are filled with processed carbs. They're eating more sugary treats and drinking more soda. And they're drinking more alcohol, which has led to significant weight gain. So that is how we got to the quarantine 15. Mm -hmm. So however you uh, take a different approach to deal with your stress... And try following the weight and wellness eating plan. You are most likely going to lose weight instead of gaining that uh, quarantine 15. And best of all, you're going to have less inflammation. You're going to think better, feel better, and it'd be nice if we even looked better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just one more reason why cooking the weight and wellness way has so many people asking us to share more recipes and more ideas for their meals and their snacks. Yes. Yes, like you said, Marianne, it's it's sometimes it's a mindset thing, but we can really focus on those real foods and and come out kind of for the better at the end of this this quarantine. So the trick is to find recipes that call for real food, that call for that real protein, the real vegetables, the real fats, and that taste great. I mean, that is really an important thing. And Marianne, I know you know that as a chef. Like, it is very important to that food tastes good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. And so I, I often, I still hear clients occasionally. They'll, they'll say to me, you know, they're, they're still afraid of those fats because they think that fat, eating fat, will make them fat. I, I mean, in a, in a logical way, the way our brains think that would make sense. And we get how you feel. I have been there, done that. And for, I mean, for the past 50, 60, 70 years or so, we, that's what we have been told. And that we, what we've been hearing is that the, it's the low fat message and it's a myth. So now it's time to throw out that preconceived notion. It's time to switch that thinking around um, that eating fat is bad because actually eating natural, real fats help us lose weight and help us have less inflammation in general. So just yet another reason why cooking the weight and wellness way has become so popular. Um, I will, I do want to mention a couple of um, research studies, but I think we'll do that on the other side of break. So you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If today's show still has you reaching for comfort foods or sugary treats, we definitely understand that. And because the, of the COVID stay-at-home order, all of us dietitians and nutritionists are still available to meet with our clients. It's just by phone or via live video. 
You may want to check with your insurance provider to determine if your nutrition counseling is a benefit that your health insurance company offers. Otherwise, we are also offering a couple special discounts on our nutrition counseling services to just to get people in that door of eating real food. So you can give us a call at 651-699-3438 to set up an appointment or check us out at our website at weightandwellness.com. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you have questions about eating real whole food you can help your, that can help your health and perhaps what supplements will help you sleep better or any questions you have, just email us at weightandwellness.com and we'll be sure to answer your questions. Now, Leah, you were talking about some studies, uh, some diet studies. Yes. So yes, when we went to break, I just wanted to mention one study where we were talking about like how actually these healthy fats are, why these healthy fats are actually beneficial for weight loss. So this was a study that was reported in the Journal of the American Medical Association. This is a pretty prestigious journal. Um, It was back in 2007, so it's a little oldie, but it is a goodie. And they used 310 overweight women. They they followed a high-fat diet for one year. So this is a a pretty extensive study. They found that these women who followed the high-fat diet had greater weight loss and better fasting glucose levels than women on the low-fat diet. And what they really did is they they compared these women that followed more of an Atkins-style diet, so that was the high-fat diet, a zone diet, which was kind of middle-ground fat diet, and the Ornish diet, which is low-fat. So utilizing this research, as, as we put together the weight and wellness eating plan, we suggest that using approximately a tablespoon of those natural good fats per meal and snack which equates, I mean, in the course of a day, we're talking six to seven tablespoons of fat per day, but using that to bring inflammation levels down and to help our clients lose weight. So now that we, everyone has a little bit better understanding of our weight and wellness eating plan, Marianne, this is where you're really coming in. Like, how does an experienced chef put his or her skills into practice so that the cooking, it just flows with ease. It isn't all time consuming. And most importantly, like we said, that the food tastes great and it's healthy for you. Yeah. If it doesn't taste good, nobody's going to want to eat it. So (laughs) I'm I'm happy to tell you how. So let's start with something really simple like a chicken salad. And on our website, weightandwellness.com, we have several uh, chicken salads. They're really delicious. And of course, they all start with chicken. So let's talk about um, how we might get... um, make a a nice big batch of chicken. And I almost always cook um, my proteins in a large batch. So I have some in the freezer extra. uh, So I always Mm -hmm. have some. So I like to buy my chicken breast on the bone and with the skin on Mm -hmm. tends to be less expensive and it actually keeps the meat really moist and tender, but you can certainly get boneless skinless to save some time if that's uh, helpful. Mm-hmm. And so I toss my chicken with avocado oil and a little salt and pepper and whatever herbs you want to throw in there, dried herbs. And then I roast them skin side up on a baking dish at 375 mm. 
for 18 to 30 minutes. And that's really a stretch, 18 for the boneless, skinless, and then 30 minutes if you were doing it on the bone with the skin. Okay, well, that's a good thing to know, like you said, of like there is a difference between the boneless and the skin and the the boneless versus the bone in and things yeah, like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And then, and then, of course, as with any protein, you want to let it rest uh, for at least 10 minutes before you're slicing. And that allows the juices to go back through the meat so mm-hmm. they're they're well distributed and it's mm-hmm. it keeps it moist. So so now you've got all this chicken and um and all the chicken salad recipes are really simple. Literally they are throw everything into a bowl, you mix it up and you're done, which is so great. And besides the chicken, the um they all use good beneficial fat mayonnaise. They have chicken and this mayonnaise in common. And the mayonnaise is made with good beneficial fats like avocado or olive oil in common and they can hide some of those bad oils in those so be sure to check that label yep definitely yes i i do a lot of checking and and educating with my clients around hey if you have mayonnaise at home turn turn the bottle over look at the back if it and what are those main oils that are in there so the avocado oil mayonnaise is a really good brand there's a couple good brands out there like primal kitchen and sir kensington and chosen foods um and there is the hain brand h-a-i-n is one that we've recommended for quite a while too they use an expeller pressed safflower oil so any of those brands that use the good oils would be wonderful for these recipes so let's actually, so Marianne, let's transition more to like snacky type food. Since a lot of us, and especially our kids, we're all spending a little bit more time at home right now. We mentioned Teresa's blog earlier where you might be getting bugged a lot saying, mom, I'm hungry. What can I eat? So let's just, let's do at least one or two snack ideas just to give our listeners some ideas. Or, okay, what could we try in the next week or two while we're still stuck at home? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So one of my favorite snack ideas uh, from the website is the family fun sushi roll-ups. And the, 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 there's so many variations you could throw anything into. It's really a vehicle. So these are gluten-free and they're dairy-free and they're so much fun to put together. The kids are going to love to do this. So you um, you fill the nori rolls, and nori rolls are those seaweed wraps. And um, like I said, it's a vehicle. It's a blank slate that you can put so many things in. And in the recipe, I think we do um, shrimp. You can put some of that chicken that we just mm-hmm. prepared. You can mm-hmm. put that in there. In fact, you could put the chicken salad into this nori oh, roll and wrap well, it up. that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, you can do avocado or guacamole, um, throw in some cucumber and carrots, um, a little of that healthy mayo that we mm-hmm. just talked about that sort of is the sticking element that keeps it rolled up. And um, and the best part, the kids are going to love it. They're going to find it so fun to put together and they can be in the fridge just ready for them to grab anytime. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So, it, yeah, you think about um, sushi roll-ups. And I mean, this particular recipe, I think even in the notes, they say it is a little more messy than like, say the stuff that you would get at the store in a restaurant. But guess what? Kids love messy yes, too. They, they don't mind messy. that stuff. Yeah. So it's, you know, and it, if it gets them engaged and they think it's fun and they want to do it and they want to do it again later, that's probably a win-win for all of us parents, especially if you are, again, playing more homeschool coordinator these days, like we're all juggling a lot of hats. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wanted to just mention one recipe before we wrap up for the day. Um, It's our peaches and cream smoothie. That one's also on our website. So smoothies, 
now that it is, I mean, he even here in Minnesota, it is starting to warm up for the most part. But a nice smoothie is just starting to sound really refreshing and creamy and just satisfies those little snack attacks, especially in the afternoon. And this particular recipe uses a little vanilla whey protein powder, some yogurt, getting in some extra good fat from the heavy whipping cream. We could also, I I usually use the canned coconut milk in there instead. And then you can get peaches. So I typically use frozen peaches. The frozen fruit is a little easier to come by, especially for those of us um, living in the more tundra land in the winter. But then you throw the peaches in there. You could certainly substitute other fruits in there. You add half a cup of water, maybe half a cup of ice in there, and then you just blend it all up together. And to make, I mean, if you are making it safe for a family, just get out your big blender. You only have to wash it once um, and maybe you stock some away in the freezer, but get out the big blender, get a serving for everyone and everyone's going to be happy. Uh, and then everyone's brains are going to work, especially if you do have those kiddos that are still um, doing doing their schoolwork at home. So, uh, so our goal here at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is just to help you be physically and mentally healthy and strong during this challenging time and beyond. So I really want to thank Mary Ann for coming in on or very early on this Saturday morning to share her knowledge and her expertise in the kitchen and in your teaching. And we really do want to get those cooking classes back online again once we're all able to uh, gather again once it's safe to do so. Um, but it all really starts with cooking the weight and wellness way. In order to eat, you have to cook and to cook your foods in your very own kitchen. So our goal at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is to help each and every person experience better health through eating real food. We say it every week, but it's a simple yet very powerful message that eating real food is life-changing. So thank you very much and have a wonderful day. The morning last just kicking down the cobblestones, looking for fun and feeling.